It's time for the What in the Podcast. It has been said that we form thoughts, that thoughts have form. But what if we are speaking literally? Does the human species have the power to create three-dimensional beings with our minds and can we breathe life into them as well? Tonight we'll discuss thought forms as well as tulpas and egregores, pukas, jinn, creatures created by individual and group thoughts respectively. Welcome to episode 45 of What in the Podcast. Welcome to the What in the Podcast with your hosts, Kent Whittington and Adriana Camito and Tracy Lynn Hernandez. Hello and welcome to the What in the Podcast. I'm your host, Kent Whittington. Along with me is my co-hostesses. First off, there is my wife turned lump because she had a bad day at work. Hello. <laughs> Say hello, yes. That's Adriana. Life happens. We get that. Yep. And also with us tonight is our good friend and co-hostess, Tracy Lynn Hernandez. Hello. Hello. I should still get credit because I am here. <laughs> you do get credit. I get credit for that. Okay. <laughs> I give you awesome points for that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> five for five participation points. Yep. So beyond that, how's everything tonight? It's been a day. Has it? Yes. Oh, yeah. I have fresh ink. Yay! Yay. Uh, Adrian, uh, I'm sorry. Tracy's got a new tattoo. <laughs> Adrian's got an old tattoo. Tongue. I have an old tattoo that needs to be fixed. Oh, I have tattoo artists. It's awesome. Just saying. As I bounce, bounce, bounce. Yeah, it's a very nice tattoo. Who was who was your tattoo artist? So it's it's Capital Ink and Bill is the owner. Okay. And he's awesome. He's been there for 17 years. And he looked at my drawing last Saturday and went, Ooh, ooh, ooh. Can I take this home and work on it for a few days? And I said, ooh, ooh, ooh. Yes, just make it smaller. Because my, my original drawing was meant for a silk painting, mm-hmm. which the hanky is a foot square. Right. And I did not want it to be a That's... foot square on my thigh. Because, no. ow. Your thigh isn't a foot square. No. Well, <laughs> it is, but not, not, not the word. Mm. No. Right. So I'm like, I want it to be like not bigger than four inches. I want it to be condensed down. Well, it's a bit bigger than four inches, uh-huh. but it when he when he handed me the, awesome. the picture, the finished, I'm like going, it's a bit big. And then I look down where it places into my previous tattoo. And I went, oh, it's staying forever. <laughs> so my tattoo is 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 She's combination cool. of of supernaturals and her demon possession, uh-huh. okay, or demon possession and whatever the hell it is, tattoo. And then there's uh, the third and fourth doctor's TARDIS key hanging off it, chained to it, and attached to the inner working of the um, anti-possession charm is the itic. Because I might have been raised on Doctor Who coming in the third Doctor, loving the fourth Doctor, raised, came home in a Star Trek captain's uniform shirt from yes. the hospital. And for those folks who don't know what itic is, it's infinite diversities in, and in infinite, infinite combinations. combinations. Yes. And he even made a point to make the diamond look like it's got a shine in it. 
She's getting out. Oh, it's a very nice pattern of design. It looks and, great. And I've been holding and on to this a for years. I can only imagine in my head. It's, I've been holding on to this pattern, like designing this for at least 10 years. Mm -hmm. Okay. I, I don't put ink on, you know, lightly. My, my first tattoo was the only one that was semi lightly. Mm -hmm. And I thought about that one for a year and, and change before it, I put it on. It gives me the image of Mr. Spock and the TARDIS fighting demons. You know? Yeah. I could see it. I could see it. Yeah, it's an actual. So, you know, just. So, again, the, the tattoo artist's name is, is Bill. And, and it's it's is... the um, Sacramento Inc. He's in Sacramento. It's uh, 2722, <laughs> I believe, um, X Street. Well, Bill, if you're listening, I hope you know you just got plugged. <laughs> it's awesome. But that's something I like to do on the show, too, is plug. You know, if I hear <clears> about something like that, I want to plug it. They're doing good work. They deserve to be plugged. Exactly. Who knows? Yeah. And 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 I I have been there as a, a watcher before. Mm -hmm. Um, one of my adopted teens who is no longer a teenager, but that's okay. She knows who she is. Has um, four or five pieces done by him, and he remembered me because the one that 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 triggered his memory was she wanted my hands on her shoulders, like helping her standing up. And I'm like, but honey, how you have in place? It looks like I'm holding you down. Right. But that's what she wanted. He's like, Oh, you're that mother. I'm like, yes, I'm mother monster. And yeah. So we sat there and geeked out of her, you know, all the ink she's gotten done and how she's grown. And here I come in with wanting mine and, and so excited. So excited. Well, it's a very attractive tattoo. It is. The detail is awesome. And it is very bold. Yes. It stands out really well. It's, I it's hope my, it stays that way. I hope it doesn't fade too much. He, he told me that, that I'm like, I'm afraid of color because my, my shoulder pieces, um, the blue ink, granted my blue ink is 22 years old and I'm drinking it slowly. Mm -hmm. um, the, the other one is 14 years old and um, all the colors are fading. It's my Triskelion for the kids. Right. And he's like, well, that's because your artist had a great idea, but wasn't as heavy handed as they could be, as they should have been. I'm like, at the same point, I remember that the tattoo very vividly because, yep, I'm sure it's on your shoulder. <laughs> but um, he's like, you know, come back in in the future and we'll touch it up. I'm like, well, when I come in for my back piece, <laughs> touch it up then. Well, now that he's been recommended. Maybe you should go there for yours. Yeah, definitely, definitely, can, definitely. Can you cover that or make it into? He a, could. He I could. I want a memorial tattoo for my mother, and I want it to be a with, fairy. With how light that is, with, yes, he could fix that immediately. I want yeah, it to be for, a fairy, for, like, for like, folks, like a movie brown tie fairy, with my mother's name does, and her birth and death date. Awesome. For you guys don't, for you, for you guys who don't know, uh, Adri has a tattoo of a butterfly that she had done several years ago. My friends got it for me for my birthday, yeah, and birthday the artist present. was drunk and high and used watered down ink. And I didn't pay for the tattoo. And the wrong colors. Yeah, he wouldn't listen to me when I told him I didn't want those colors. So. Well, no. Adri's Sicilian, so she has an olive toned complexion. I'm very pale, so you can't tell unless I suntan. Mm -hmm. But because of that complexion, she can't take certain mm -hmm. colors, particularly yellow and orange. He talked to me. I'm like, you know, I'm afraid of, of the colors because I know I'm going to drink them. He goes, nope, we're going to do this, and I know exactly what I'm going to do. And he even got crosshatch detailing done. He says, it's going to turn a slightly lighter gray. It'll only be like when you're there to see it. It's not going to be one of those, hi. I'm like, it doesn't need to be hi. Mm -hmm. It's my tattoo on my leg that will probably be under shorts for most of my time. And he's like, oh, do you see the sun? I'm like, yes, from the neck up when I'm not in costume for Renaissance fairs or SCA events. 
and you might see part of my shoulder if you're lucky <clears throat> but no <laughs> son what's that yeah, it's the thing I hate in the summertime because it just burns me like crazy. Yes, Mr. Permanent Redneck. Well, I have an Irish <laughs> complexion, so. You're ready in the face it's, anyway. It's fun it? being Scots-Irish-Italian. I either burn or I turn brown. There is no in-between. burn and then turn brown yes. slowly. That was what used to happen to me. I turned so brown, people thought I wasn't, I, I wasn't. You're trying to think of a good way people to say it, aren't say you? Say it without being an idiot. <laughs> people thought I, I was a... Uh, a different race. A different race. Yes. That's fair to say. I was really dark. I mean, I wish I still had the pictures. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It was well, bad. Well, well, let's move on from the tattoos now. <laughs> Bill, I hope you enjoyed the plug. Um, also wanted to mention before we start, we do have a contest going on right now. Uh, it's a little different from the last one. Instead of actually drawing something for us, we want you to tell us your spookiest true story. Yes. And by spooky, we mean it can be freaky, it can be weird, it can be something weird for you that may not be weird for anybody else. Yep, that's be true. It has to be true. We did just get one in. Tracy told us about it. Uh, I'm not going to go into details, but it does not involve ghosts, but people. Yes. And, and it uh, was freaky. It's it definitely it, freaky. It was freaky for the person who, who had the encounter. Yes. For the, for the and, rest and of us, we did When we're reading it, going, going okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I got a little struggle last yes. actually, so. But like I said, I'm jaded when it comes to spooky stuff. But anyway, uh, so the contest is you have to come up with your scariest or freakiest, spookiest. spookiest, truest story. If you if, if you get a friend's permission, tell your friend's story or something like that. It doesn't yes. have to be your own, but Just it has to be a be true, true story. Once you do that, you can send it to our email link at whatinthepodcast.gmail.com, which is probably the best place to go for yes. it. Tell us your story there. Uh, you can also record it through the uh, description link in our podcast. Mm -hmm. um, you can send it like like she did. Send it in a uh, private message mm -hmm. to one of us. Exactly. And you can do that through our Facebook group as well at, uh, at What in the Podcast Facebook group. Yep, yep, yep. So there's that. And we haven't decided when to end the contest yet. What sounds good to you guys? Well, we did your Why birthday last time. see how many... Let's say we, we did your birthday Deadlines last time. We, we, could, we could do my birthday. Which is? In June. In June. Okay. So, so for, we'll set a date in June. You know, my birthday is the 17th, so right around Father's Day. Okay. We could do a... a so you got till Father's Day, folks. Submissions have to be in before Father's Day. That'll be for me. That sound like a plan? Does that sound good to everybody? That gives, yeah. okay. gives three months, two months time. Plenty of time. So think about it. Get, collect your thoughts. Get your stories together and get them out to us. Yes. There is a copy of Stranger Things Season 1 in the collector's VHS case, which contains yes. the DVDs. And the Blu-ray. And the Blu-rays. And a collectible poster. Yes. It's awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, it is. It's pretty awesome. We haven't opened ours up. Yet. Yeah, we haven't. We haven't I've opened, opened mine. We tend to collect DVDs more than actually watch them. I've watched mine. <laughs> <laughs> I am movieaholic. Yes, That's okay. She loved hers. Apparently. Yes, I do. Yep. You should have seen how excited she was when I handed it to her. Tracy <laughs> bounces in her seat. I bounce she in my seat. Nice. I'm going to break these poor seats someday. Yeah. Just bouncy, 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 bouncy. Well, you're ready to buy. <laughs> Well, you know, right now I have money to pay for that. Yeah, <laughs> it's not like the chairs were all that expensive. They came from the Goodwill, the now defunct Goodwill Furniture Store. That happens. It's sad. 
It's sad. We got a lot of good furniture from there. Mm -hmm. We did. Our couch came from there. And the chairs. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of the other furniture came from my friend Natalia. Thank you, Natalia. (laughs) Okay. Okay. This is all good, but that's not why we're here tonight. We don't want to bore our our, our company tonight with our own stories. We are here to talk about a particular subject tonight. Anybody want to tell me what that one is? We're doing thought forms, tulpas, and egregores. That's right. Now, we'll start backwards, though. So. We'll start backwards. Yeah. <laughs> However you want to do it. Uh, this is going to be mostly Tracy's deal tonight. She did the most research and came up with the most stuff. That doesn't sound right, but that's, that's how I'm going to put it. Um, Hi, my name's research. Tracy. I found a rabbit hole. Yeah. I, I found some research. And my rabbit, hole, love, was, my rabbit been... hole, as usual, was not as deep as Tracy's. <laughs> And I was the, I'm the lump who didn't get a chance to do any research. You I, couldn't find a rabbit hole. You I, were working your tail feathers off for tax season. You are not being a lump. You are recuperating from working. I am. Yeah. Yes, my wife works for a CPA, so she's uh, knee deep in tax forms this year. She's allowed to. Yep. So she's she's lucky to be here conscious right now. Yay, well, conscious. <laughs> But anyway, why don't you start us, Tracy? Okay, so what I mostly have information. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a lot of information. Okay. Okay. Starting out with the egregores, also spelled E G R E G O R E, or without the, fo- the, the last E, mm-hmm. is an occult concept representing a thought form or collective group mind, an autonomous psychic entity made up of and influencing the thoughts of people and groups. Okay, so now before you go on, what we're talking about here is an entity who's uh, basically a thought form brought to life by not just one individual, but groups of people. Yes. It's a group conscious mind given form. Yes. Um, Some of those concepts might be something like, I'm going to go ahead and say it, God. Mm -hmm. God God is a concept. uh, Whether you believe in God or not, he's a concept given life because of our belief in him. Yep. Mm-hmm. That makes him, by definition, an egregore. Uh, any religious any figure. Any religious figure. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're a part of the H.P. Lovecraft Society like I am, you might even have generated Cthulhu at one point. Not that I ever have. <laughs> it's possible. Yeah, knock on <laughs> So anyway, continue. I'm sorry. Uh, the symbiotic <clears throat> relationship between an egregore and his group has been compared to the more recent non-occult concepts of the corporation as a legal entity mm-hmm. and the meme. Magic can happen in really unforeseen circumstances and places. Each time this happens, to me, it is a wonderful surprise and delight that visits the spirits outside of the circle. Here's an account of one such situation that happened to me this week. Now, this is someone else's accounting that I'm reading here. And, of course, I blanked on the name. But, hey. One of my favorite places to relax is a treadmill in my small local gym. Located in the lower ground floor together with about 10 other cardio machines, I tend to choose a place close to the back wall so I can see other machines quietly waiting in front of me. This week was the sun was shining. I felt full of energy when stepping on the machine. Put on music, and after a few minutes, found myself pondering about the discussion on of energy that kept the blog sphere going. And of course, as soon as I do that, the thing moves. I love it. There we go. Um, keeps the blog sphere busy over the, the recent weeks. As I share this previous post, my eyes pretty much the decision of the perspective of how you choose to address reality. Anything can be perceived as an accumulation of energy, the shape of a spirit, the result of a program, coding. Certainly the perspective that comes as most natural to me is to view the world as a place inhabited by and shared with spirits. I hadn't really finished this thought 
as I got interrupted by something else. It was an immediate desire to put things into practice, to experience the reality of what was in my mind at this very moment. So how would it look and feel to treat those treadmills as not dead machines, but living spirits? I looked around the room and found myself alone. I'd been in the machine for 10 minutes, running about 10 kilometers per hour, and starting to feel the rush of energy and pace that comes with it. At the same moment, my iPod changed the music of the tune by Flash Mob. Suddenly, my gaze wandered over to the other treadmills. I could see something like a pack of wolves running down a hill. It was me and the other machines in spirit form. The image was amazingly clear, vivid, and powerful. It took over control immediately. For the next 10 minutes, I followed the spirit forms of the machines wherever they wanted to take me. We took the shapes of wolves, ran over hills, over the mountaintop. We shifted shapes into huge black birds, sailed into valleys over forests and meadows. We hit the ground, turned into fantastic creatures I cannot describe. <clears throat> Their speed was amazing, and the landscape flew by like traveling in the speed of a train. I felt the air on my chest and the hair all around us. Suddenly we were in dark caves, still running, speeding through narrow hallways and huge, huge halls. It looked like the caves in Lord of the Rings. I still swallowed the the image and let it take over me whatever shape they wanted my pack flew through the dark halls finally we found an exit through a tunnel high up in the walls and ascended back into heaven feel free to consider this as a simple it's can, can, feel free to consider me simple-minded but this time we left the cage i was crying and smiling still running on the treadmill you know normally i don't cry or smile like a deranged person on the treadmill normally i listen to podcasts or music enjoy the quietness of the lower ground floor area Yet this day was different. The energy flowing out of these images into my body was exhilarating, and in simple words, completely out of my mind. I continued to run for another 30 minutes, the experience still checking with other treadmills every now and then and pondered over what had actually happened. Well, here's what I took from it. The machines did reply very well when addressed in spirit forms. Mm -hmm. What had happened was that I had a pocket of energy hidden in these machines. More precisely, my approach to them as spirits allowed me to tap into the energy that other people have been using them the previous years had changed into them or sorry, charged into them. These machines meaning of life was to experience motion and speed, nothing else. They're treadmill spirits because that energy of life force charged into them had been highly cons consistent. For example, they'd only been used for a single purpose by many different people over a relatively long period of time. Nobody had ever released the energy. Now, when you look at the form, the term egregore in Wikipedia, this is what you get. It's an occult concept representing a thought form, collective group mind, autonomous psychic energy made up of and influencing the thoughts of people around it. I guess to, I had been completely blind to the fact that a group of people doesn't need to be conscious about the fact that they are participating in this group to create the egregore, nor does an egregore depend on the conscious decision of its charging members to be created. Isn't it a beautiful reminder that the law of the occult, magic just works anywhere, anytime, we simply tend to forget how real it is? Obviously, this experience left me wondering what everyday er everyday egregores we all might charge sub subconsciously every day. And just like that, in this example, nobody might have released their spirit force yet. Well, here's a happy hunting for everyday egregores. That's kind of a weird take on it. Um, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not uh, negating it in any way. It's just, you're talking about a concept where it's pent-up energy mm -hmm. that has been stored through a lot of human activity and this one person or you know, whether you believe it or not has felt that she has released this energy and generated the egregore mm -hmm. it's definitely a, a worthwhile thought machinery concept. especially you know modern machinery has enough circuitry in it that just like crystals oh, nice. just like sandstone just like quartz and quartzite it's going to hold 
energy. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter if it's plugged in energy or psychic energy. Mm-hmm. So if you're like, I'm going to run along here and see what you're doing. And okay, you've had someone who envisioned before they're running on the treadmill. They're a wolf. They're running on the treadmill. They're flying through here. There you go. Yeah. And, and, and by definition, you're talking about a group consciousness. Exactly. Into a living creatures. Yep. For, for lack of a better word. So, yeah, that's definitely the definition of Negrecord. It's just one of it's sort of a stored for later. Yes. <laughs> Slightly unusual one. Yep. Not, not the typical one you hear about. Yep. I actually have an Negrecord myself, if you wouldn't mind participating here. Do it. Do it. Do it. Okay. Well, my Negrecord. I can find it here in just a moment. It is, um, you know, we've talked about concepts of egregores as uh, beings from collective thoughts, um, things like God, things like your treadmill. Um, how about a whole city? Okay. Mine is the egregore of Rome. And this is uh, an excerpt from Egregores, Something to Believe in by Dave Henderson. Uh, and he says... You will notice that many references to Rome from the time of its existence often referred to it as if it was a living being. Mm-hmm. And those that were its willing residents gave themselves totally over to that, to that belief. This helped the egregore of Rome become strong and powerful to where no one could stand before it. Over the years, its strength became arrogance and Rome decided to spread, which would inevitably lead to its fall. The thought is that once Rome grew so big that spreading it thin and with the majority of its citizens, no true supporters of Rome weakened it. Then with the injection of new religions like Christianity working its way through the empire, that the faith and belief in Rome was being replaced. So in short, while the belief and faith in Rome was strong, the empire was at its peak and had no equal but with the assimilation and dilution of true believers. Rome could not protect itself anymore as it became weak and started to crumble. With the Roman example, an egregore can be formed intentionally or unknowingly to represent any sort of group or movement. When two opposing groups meet, sometimes there's a, uh, there can be a clash of egregores on the astral plane that is either a result of the groups clashing on the physical, either before, during, or after the egregores take action. Some of those that dream walk or are gifted with clairvoyance have claimed to be able to actually see these entities clash during encounters between opposing forces. Depending on those egregores, their belief was stronger, tended to sway the outcome of the battle. On a less violent side, some have also evolved to become what some refer to as ascended masters. These actually are more like teachers. <laughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Sorry, folks. Hey, breathing. These actually are more like teachers and want to encourage spiritual growth and belief. Partially, it seems to be to help those that follow them, but also it self-serves. For as long as they have believers, they will stay alive. So when a teacher on earth, so when a teacher on earth, sorry, takes a student and teaches them the mystical beliefs and powers of the entity, they're ensuring it survives another generation. And when groups of believers diverge into sex, the entity then splits into two separate egregores to serve both groups. So... That kind of leads back to the concept of <laughs> higher beings, entities, gods, mm-hmm. you name it. And it's not the first time I've heard stories about how the gods were weakened mm-hmm. by a lack of belief in them. Yes. So I can actually see that in my head of these egregores on the astral plane duking it out for supremacy and are ultimately being weakened by 
the, the, the dissolution of belief in them. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's kind of a cool concept. What else you got? <laughs> well, going on to, to thought forms, mm -hmm. um, thought form is, is as in hauntings, an artificial form that acts like a ghost. In occultism, thought forms arise from concentrated human thoughts and emotions expanded, sorry, expended in a place, or they can be attracted by deliberately by magic. For an example, a haunting thought form would be an artificial entity that it seems attached to a battlefield, where intense emotional energy of or mass dying had occurred. Such an energy might make a, take a human form, or might be an undefined presence that conveys pain, suffering, negative energy. Highly energized thought form can exhibit personal the personality and, and seeming self awareness. So, seeing something on the battlefield, not seeing someone on the battlefield. Mm -hmm. um, taken from the Encyclopedia of Ghosts and Spirits from September 1st, 2007. A thought form is a non-physical entity or object created by thought that exists in the mental plane or the astral plane. Thought forms are used in magic and the casting of spells. They are structures, objects, and places that can be created magically to exist in both astral and physical plane for the purpose of visualization and workings. Thought form energies can be created and summoned through evocation. Perform certain tasks such as sending uh, to carry out spells, perform a psychic attack. They are invisible to most people, but can be perceived clairvoyantly. Esoteric philosophy holds that to produce, they, they produce two effects, a radiating vibration and a floating colored form. Lifespan and endurance of a thought form depends on the nature and intensity of the thought. Most thought forms dissipate. Those imbued with sufficient energy, either through sustained intensity through ritual, can be anchored into the astral plane and the physical plane. They radiate out, and radiate out and attract sympathetic essences, thus forming the basis for occult laws of attraction, which holds a, a person manifests on the physical what he thinks he or th she thinks in the mental. Characters in myth and legend and even deities can be thought forms. They exist as long as they're energized by collective thought, which you just said, and they fade from interest and return to formlessness on the astral plane. Anne Besant and C.W. Ledbetter, theosophists and clairvoyants, said that Thought forms are four-dimensional in nature, and therefore difficult to describe in a three-dimensional term. They're classified thought forms in three groups. One, the image of the thinker. Two, the image of the material object associated with that thought. And three, the independent image expressing the inherent qualities of the thought. Thoughts that are low in nature, such as anger, hate, lust, and greed, create thought forms that are dense in color and form. Thoughts of a more spiritual nature generate forms of higher purity, greater clarity, and refinement. Besant and Ledbetter both said that they are well-sustained devotion could appear as a flower with upward-curving petals like azure flames. Devotional aspiration might appear as a blue cone and its apex turning upwards in the, to the higher planes. On the opposite end, explosive anger such as a red splash of red or orange or sustained anger as sharp red stiletto. Jealousy might appear as a brown snake. They're built up in, energies, built up in a person's energy field or their aura, creating an influencing behavior and characteristics. Negative thoughts will weaken a person, even facilitating onset of, of illness, while positive and loving thoughts act as a protective, energizing shield. According to them, selfish thoughts move in a curve, eventually coming back on itself and the person. The expending itself is on its own level. On the other hand, unselfish thoughts move outwards in an open curve, expanding as it goes, like a, the, the, the golden radius, or the, the golden spiral. Capable of piercing higher spiritual dimensions, thus becoming a channel through which the higher planes pour themselves into lower planes. That's how prayer functions. 
Basant and Ledbetter stressed that regular meditation is important in cultivating positive thought forms. Yes, med- because the more positive your thought form, the more positive the, the thoughts around become. Yes. Uh, it's a tendency um, that if you go someplace where there's good thoughts all around, you have good thoughts. Yes. And the opposite holds true, too. If you go someplace where the thoughts are bad, you start to have bad that, thoughts. That, and negative and feelings, yep. Yeah. Meditation sends out a stream of magnetism that continues to work long after the meditation is ended. Now, I've seen some of the diagrams, too, of these thought forms from the book, Mm -hmm. and they are weird. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, most of them are, they look more like patterns. Mm -hmm. Abstract paintings and, 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 yeah. Symbolism. Um, They don't have a physical form, per se. As far as a human form goes, yeah, they look more. What's the word I'm looking for? They look more. Um, I can't think of the word. The, I, <laughs> the only way I can describe it is abstract, almost impressionistic. Yes, there we go. It's that's it's, pretty much the nail on the head, I think. It's it's they they describe you know here's the feeling of of of. Um, healing and godliness and there's a cone mm-hmm. um with splashes of, of bright and cool colors i've and... also seen pictures and images of the thought forms of music mm-hmm. where they tend to look like patterns colorful patterns yep. and waves for example yep 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 um, anger can be this this um black mass of, of mass tangled of, yeah yeah Almost looking kind of uh, sludgy, mm-hmm. with maybe little bits of color inside, but mostly um, subdued hues like greens and things like that. Yep. And then happiness can be these bright explosions of color. But the fact, the fact of the matter is, when uh, <laughs> these these the reason why these aspects have form is because we give form to the thoughts. Yes. And, I don't know, it's it's sounding a little philosophical in my head right now. But but yeah. Yeah, you're kinda of, hopefully you're kinda of there. I, I I think so. Some thought forms occur spontaneously. Group minds are formed whenever a group of persons concentrates on the same thought or thoughts, ideas, or goals, such as a team of employees or a crowd of demonstrators. To some extent the group mind possesses possesses the group, as is witnessed by psychic bonding power, the coalesces in crowds and the synergy of close knit working group. When the group disperses, the group mind usually disperses as well. That's how angry mob forms. Yes. Really. Thought forms may arise spontaneously out of the collective unconscious as archetypes that may take on phantom or seemingly a real form. This may explain reports of the devil, supernatural monsters, entities, and non-physical beings, and other worldly beings. Thought forms in magic in the Western tradition are created by on the astral plane as at the triangle of causation, a primary foundation of occult astral work. They require intense concentration. Otherwise, they do not last. Thought forms and things on the physical plane can be create, recreated in exact detail on the astral plane. Like gods, angels, places, goals, and activities can also be created in the astral matter. Yeah, in the, uh, I'm sure it shows an example in there, but one example is the Book of Enoch, which uh, depicts the angels and, and, and the writings. They're, they're actually... Uh, classified as egregores mm-hmm. in the book. Um, Enoch being the uh, 
the devout God who was sent to heaven before his death. Yes. So. Do you feel better now? She just inhaled water. So Are you okay? You trying, for those of you trying to understand <laughs> the concept, an egregore could be an angel, it could be a god, it could be a collective thought or idea. Like I said, it could be an angry mob. Yep. Um, I mean, you, you've seen how quickly mobs rise up and get out of control. Get out yep. Of control. Something Recently. Something for that. Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> Besides just a bunch of people being angry. I mean, it just builds up and there's just energy to it. And Chaos. They mm-hmm. move like a, like a single force. Yes. This happens. It's not just, just the crowd gets there and goes out there. It's, it's like an amoeba. It moves in mass and in, in waves mm-hmm. and it's it's like the 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 egregore is is the center of it all mm-hmm. it's the the reason it surges forward to the left and then fades back and goes to the right mm-hmm. it yeah that's, is, a, that's a good analogy in amoeba yes it's, that's pretty much how it, how it happens with them it's a single-celled organism with one thought mm-hmm. exactly Basically. and that's what it becomes or you have a, a group that's that's raging it's a single organism with one thought. Mm-hmm. Loot the stores. <laughs> or more. <laughs> or more. Break the doors. Break the this. Break the doors. Loot break the, stores. the cars. Drag people out on the street. So on and so forth. Anyway. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no coughing. Everyone's coughing now. Stop it. <laughs> doors open. <laughs> Artificial elementals are created by rituals to perform low-level tasks and errands to be redirected by individuals to protect, heal, or harm. To have an effect, thought forms must be able to latch on a similar vibrations in the aura of the recipient. If they're unable to do so, they boomerang back to the sender. Thus, the one who detects directs evil th- thoughts towards another runs the risk of having them return. The duration of a thought form, its strength and the distance it can travel depend on the strength and clarity of the or- original thought. Thought forms are said to have the capability to assume their own energy and appear to be intelligent and independent. Equally, these intense thoughts can disperse them. They can simply disintegrate when the purpose is finished. Some may last years. In magical practice, it's customary to charge a thought form with infinite lifespan at the end of it to resorb it back into to the thought form, back into the astral matter, to put out what you bring in, mm-hmm. and to to <clears throat> to continue that. No, you're talking about giving it permanency. Yes, but when you're finished, you reabsorb it back in. Right. So you you the intent is to make it permanent, but you're at the same point, your intent is to only have it be for that focused goal. But you're giving this thing life. Yes. When you bring it back in, that's the question. You absorb it. How do you absorb it? Oh, you mentally a... reabsorb it. Well, rather than argue with me, hear me out. What I'm trying to say is you have an entity you've created, you've given it form, basically given it life and a mind of its own. So how do you bring it back in? Well, thought forms that are not dispersed, as well as some particularly powerful thought forms, can go out of control. They wander about looking for energy sources and attaching themselves to people like vampiric entities, or they can turn on the creators, as is the case of Alexa, Alexandra David Neal. And I could not find that case. Did you find that case? I have, yeah. Let me see here. Because I tried to find that case, but yeah. sometimes my rabbit hole puts me on a little shoot. I think the name popped up. Yeah, Alexandra David Neal. Here we go. Yay! Now, spiritualist Alexander David Neal claimed to have observed these mystical practices in 20th century Tibet. She described Tulpas, oh, this is about Tulpas, actually. Okay. Which we'll get to here. But she described Tulpas as magic formations 
generated by the powerful concentration of thought. David Neal believed that Tulpas could develop a mind of its own. Once the Tulpa is endowed with enough vitality to be capable of playing the part of a real being, and an egregore would be the same in this case, I'm sure, mm -hmm. it tends to free itself from its maker's control. This, say, Tibetan occultist happens nearly, nearly mechanically, just as the child, when her body is completed and able to live apart, leaves the mother's womb. Uh, she claimed to have created such a tulpa in the image of Jolly Friar Tuck, like monk, which later developed a life of its own and had to be destroyed. David Neal raised the possibility that her experience was illusory. I may have created my own hallucination, though she said others could see the thought forms that she created. So that's all I had on. on yep. But, yeah, you found the hole that I couldn't find. Okay. <laughs> you patched the hole! Yay! Dug inside there, I guess. Anyway. Yep. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, that was that was a case where a thought form got out of control. Draw off as this friendly fire truck like character. And then to act out and had to be reabsorbed. Yep. So yeah, and that's the case for your egregore theory as yes. well. Because you're you're basically when you're talking about tulpas and egregores, you're talking about similar similar creations. Mm -hmm. Except one is a group of conscious mind, the other one is formed by a single individual. Anyway, please continue. Okay, so next one is, what are thought forms? This was written August 20th, 2020. Thought forms are, or what are thought forms and why is positive thinking important? Contrary to what you think, your thoughts are not just your private matter. In fact, thoughts go so much further than words. Unconsciously, you're able to create your own thoughts and even energy entities, so-called thought forms. You will learn this little bit here, what they are, how they nourish themselves, how they look, how they influence our culture, your thoughts or energy of a certain vibration. Negative thoughts create negative events. Positive thoughts create positive results. This is because your very thought interacts with the energy of the universe. The quality of energy is that you focus, is what it can be used to focus and organize. The same is true with thoughts. They focus and organize. Over time, negative thoughts, especially those related to emotions, can blend into thought forms. The electro, in the electromagnetic sense, this means that you're giving them a life in some way. They nest in your mental, emotional body. They control, you can control them and influence them by you depriving, uh, sorry, they can control you by depriving you of free will. I can read this, I swear. They make you react automatically instead of consciously. Thought forms exist in your mind. They are patterns of your emotions, individual intentions, desires. They get entangled in your mental circuits or aura and feed on your negative thoughts, emotions, and originally... They gave them, you gave them birth. Thought forms are kept alive and being nourished by thoughts and feelings of similar vibrations. Negative thoughts look for other negative thoughts to be associated with. They become parasites. They lure our minds into having more thoughts of the same kind, ultimately causing mental dependence. In other words, the quality of thoughts influences the life experiences of their creator and those around them. If your thought or feeling is directly related to someone else, that thought form approaches that person that it's discharged onto their astral plane and onto their mental bodies. If your thought is about you and based on your personal feeling, that is most of your thoughts, they revolve around you and are ready to react whenever you find or whenever it finds the opportunity on you. <clears throat> this most happens when you're in a passive state. That means you're really into the cage of your, your habitual thoughts all the time. It's the thought, it's through them that you look at the world. They modify everything that comes to you from the outside. So when until you learn how to control your thoughts and feelings, you won't see anything as it really is. 
If your thought does not concern you personally or is not directed at a specific person, it just floats in the atmosphere. Such as thought constantly vibrates and the vibrations vibrates with the vibrations you originally gave it. So thought forms can also exist outside the human body. Places or objects can store the energy of the human being and uh, that are in contact with it. You have certainly felt the energy of an old house and its former inhabitants more than once, or the history of an object in your hand. Thought forms feel like spiritual sorry feed like spiritual parasites. Uh huh. They attach themselves to people unaware of their existence, adapting to their energy. They come from people who have died or from whom those have freed themselves from the thought form spiritual cleansing. They provide all physical beings. So they pervade all spirit, physical be, beings through the through the ether and wait for their host. When they find a host, they trigger thoughts and feed on that low vibration. So you are affected by not only your own thoughts, but also the thoughts of those around you, the thoughts of the dead, collective thoughts of the whole society and culture. Such collective thoughts forms are called egregores. They're much more powerful. So if they saturated with positive energy, they can do a lot of good. For example, collective meditations and prayers work on this principle. You must have heard of them. They're during the pandemic and, and the recent fires in Australia. How's it working? For example, you're a painter and you want to paint a picture. First, you create a thought, an image of this image, the mental image then transferred to the canvas. You're able to recall this image at any time, every time you want. The same is true for a writer who creates the plot of a book and recalls it many times his own memory in order to put it on paper. Those are thought forms. You also create a thought form when you think about, for example, that your husband's cheating on you. The negative thought form revolves around you, feeds on your fear, attacks you whenever your alertness is dormant. For example, when you and your husband are watching a movie, suddenly a text message comes to him. You immediately start to think obsessively, your husband's definitely cheating on you. You keep thinking about it until the thought grows so large that it eventually takes a physical form and your husband actually starts cheating on you. For example, if you feel sad, go to the hospital and you may have a morning thought. If you believe that you're unhappy with being single, you complain to your friends about it. When you feel unhappy when you're alone, you create the belief that you'll never be happy until you find a partner. This approach creates tension and affects your well-being. It begins to create anxiety that causes you to enter a, into a relationship with the first person of interest because you believe it will immediately make you happy, even though this person does not suit you at all. They usually manifest themselves as behaviors, mental obsessions, or, addic or addictions. They can be seen in the aura in the form of vibrating clouds or hooks. Their forms were presented geographically, sorry, graphically by Anne Besant and Charles Webster Ledbetter, which we talked about earlier in their book, Clairvoyance and Thought Shapes. Published in 1901. Yes. <laughs> what, 1901? That was the book that was published in 1901. Oh. She's talking about. Yep. According to Robert S. Elwood, an American researcher, an excerpt, an excerpt on origin, oh, sorry, of world religions, thought shapes have a great influence on contra. <laughs> Contemporary art, especially with the work of Vasily Kandinsky, which he's done all these beautiful works, but they show this is what negative emotion feels like thought form right. put in. This is what positive emotion feels like. And it's not an uncommon thing. If you look at art, you can see positive and negative thought mm -hmm. forms in art. Um, a lot of expressionist painting um, depicts a lot of, uh, a lot of positive uh, art and positive thought forms. Whereas uh, some of your modern art has a lot of negative impact. Angry, sharp yep. corners, yeah. dark uh, dark and uh, imposing colors. And it's a reflection of your thought on paper. Is that what you're so talking it's about? Given, yep. It's given form, basically. Okay, form. exactly. Mm -hmm. That was my impression of some of this I love art. <laughs> thought forms may take the image of the thinker or some mental material object. They may take it their own image. 
if you look at some of the work done by Anne, so Annie Besant and Charles Webster Ledbetter, the book Clairvoyance and Shot Forms, it shows that there's quality of color determines the thought. The, the thought determines another quality of color. Everything changes. And it's definitely part of the outline. How do you get rid of thought forms? Easiest way is to stop mentally feeding negative energies. It will cause them to dissolve energetically. The Science Encyclopedia, um, the term thought form describes the concept of an entity created directly and exclusively by the mind. Whether unconsciously or consciously, it appears to develop a life of its own, and an independent agent in the real world, perceptible to other people. The belief of thought forms in the basis of several related concepts like Tulpa in, in Tibet, Puka in Germanic and Celtic cultures, Jin or Jin, Jin or Jin in Arabic cultures. It's found in the world and the works of Shakespeare. The character Puck in Midsummer Night's Dream originates as a Germanic Celtic Puka. Thought forms are an integral part of theosoph theosophical beliefs. There are also records of Western explorers experiencing externalized form of thought consciousness, benign beings that accompany them, in some cases, befriend them. More recently, poltergeist and demonic phenomena have been attributed to thought forms. The concept of thought forms carries obvious implications for the understanding of consciousness and psi phenomena. Yet to date, there's been no experimental research in this data or in this area. It's if consciousness is the ability to divide and extend itself, this provides a context for understanding many supported and reported psi phenomena, notably additional appearances of the entities encountered in mediumship, poltergeist, and episodes. Absolutely. <laughs> no, because there's more. Oh, <laughs> so what do you get out of it? Um, well, months ago, we talked with Heidi mm -hmm. Hollis, yep. and my my yes. yeah shadow mm -hmm. my my shadow fuzzy my my fizz gig mm -hmm. on steroids. What if my fizz gig isn't a shadow person per se? What if my fizz gig is my tulpa? My thought form. It's entirely possible. Uh, when you're talking, uh, when, you, when you mentioned Fizgate to us, you were talking about an entity basically that it was foremost in your mind. Mm -hmm. You could have very easily have given it form. Mm -hmm. Especially how powerful enough. was that? You believed in it enough that it was you know, palpable enough to you. You could have given it some sort of, some sort of mm -hmm. uh, half life. It, it might have started out as a shadow person peeping in, mm -hmm. but then you know, add <clears throat> dark crystal. So now here's a shadow fizz gig and he's going to become my check on people, right. my fierce protector. So you asked earlier, have you ever had an encounter? Possible. possible. <laughs> <laughs> Becoming more and more possible or probable as we're reading through here. Yeah. I did ask earlier before we started the podcast, if either Andrew or Tracy could uh, recall any instances where thought forms or told us and both said no, but they said nothing I'm aware of. Not yeah. that they're aware of, yeah. But they, uh, probably through the readings here that we're, we're doing, something would come forward, and apparently it did. Because yeah, yeah. my question Hello, is physical. aren't ki kids more powerful with stuff like this? Kids are connected kids, to, to the, the consciousness. And they conscious records it. Yeah, they, they, they are. They have more power for this kind of stuff than. As, as a child, well, yeah, they're only just from well, well, it, yeah. it's not just that they have more power, it's just not filtered. We haven't put constraints on them, yeah. They don't have to be able to, they don't know how to control it, yeah. So that's mm -hmm. where you could end up with the tulpas and the thing. Yep, imaginary friend could very well be a tulpa or a thought form, exactly, especially if somebody else could see it. 
Yep, yep, yep. I mean, depending on how powerful the child is. Heather, Heather's seen my 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 buddy. Mm-hmm. Heather's seen my buddy playing with the ferrets forever ago. That's also a definition of a tulpa. Not only do you manifest it, but other people see it as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's just your imagination, right? Exactly. <laughs> so, tulpas? Yeah, let's get into it. See what we're talking about. <laughs> tulpas. The idea, thought form, was also believed and is also as an experience found to be a tulpa of, of the Tibetan Bon and Buddhism. Lama Tenzin Wengal Rinpoche, writing about the Tibetan Bon, sorry, Bon tradition, marks that the mind works in, like a clicking on an iconic computer screen. In the dream, we've come to manifest our multiple selves, where we can divide into different simultaneously existing dream bodies. The only boundaries in a dream are the boundaries of your imagination. In Tibetan Bon and Buddhism, tulpas are created unconsciously or consciously, manifesting their individual entity via emanation called sprul. Tulpas are not regarded as unreal, but rather belonging to different levels of reality. Alexander David Neal popularized the notion, or maybe I do have over here, um, in, in her book in 1932, Book Magic and Mystery in Tibet, while traveling Himalayas, she claimed to have herself intentionally produced a tulpa in a short form, yep, yep, jolly, fat jolly monk, um, developed some mill, became malevolent, and was more difficult to get rid of than to produce. Evan Walter Wentz developed his theme, the Tibetan Book of Great Liberation, 1954, distinguishing between the tukul manifestations of an advanced spiritual leader and the tulpa and the creation of the magician. It must be emphasized that David Neal and Evan Wentz were influenced by theosophy. There is virtually no record in Tibetan practices for the tulpa becoming malevolent and turning against the creator. It is theorized that Alexandra's um, may have been created unintentionally through a collective belief that may, may have been not just her own. Uh, the tulpa in Western disco- discourse can be seen as a combination of theosophical, theo, uh, why can't I say that word? Theosophical beliefs in traditional Tibetan concept. In lucid dream research, an understanding of the apparent auto- autonomy and the figure sometimes encountered during the lucid dream may be sought in terms of Tibetan beliefs. Robert Wagner interprets these figures as primarily symbiotic thought forms representing the individual's ideas, expectations, and emotions. However, the figures may argue intensively for their autonomous existence and resent the lucid dreamer's comments about creating them so that other possibilities remain open. Referring to Tibetan traditions, Wagner and his co-workers offer criteria for distinguishing between the various types of dream figures, symbiotic features and guides, and possible deceased entities. Not all experiences of lucid figures and lucidity are positive ones. Sometimes they appear to be unconsciously created by strong emotions during hypnagogic, hypnotic, sleep, hypnagogic, and hypnopompic, yep, um, sleep onset and sleep waking states and times of high stress. Psychological, sorry, psychologist, uh huh, (laughs) psychologist, that's the word, and lucid dreamer Ed Kellogg, who I think we've talked about him before. Um, it's described how hypnopompic states can be lucid and hell and heaven like populated seemingly by figures deceased individuals. There's clearly a close connection between the transition between lucidity, lucidity states, false awakenings, nightmares, and sleep paralysis. Now, I know why Ed Kellogg is familiar. Hmm. Just that, that line there. Um, the Robin Williams movie where he's the doctor 
Not shadows? No. Um, Awakenings. Nope. He, um, with the the his wife is uh, he he dies on his way home. What dreams after, may count. What dreams may count. That's our first. That's 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 one that of our, our date movie. Our date movie. Our, our, our first one of our movie. first date movies. It's yeah. based on Kellogg's tells mm-hmm. because of the heaven state and the hell state, mm-hmm. and it came to him that that way of doing it. And yeah, you know, just one of those. Yeah, this and you. Know, I've read through this before. This is not my first time reading it tonight, but I'm stripping over my tongue, going, "Yes, this makes more sense now." Because when you don't have babies crawling over you, the information sticks better. Oh yes. <laughs> speaking of Tibetan Buddhism, I've got something on the Dalai Lama. Okay. Um, basically, in Tibetan Buddhism, tulpas are more considered emanation bodies. Um, they have a couple different forms. Nirmanakaya is one, Sprulsku, Sprulpa, and so on. They're all connected to Trikaya, the Buddhist doctrine of the three bodies of the Buddha. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're usually emanation bodies of celestial beings, though unrealized beings, such as humans, may have their own emanation bodies or even be emanation bodies. For example, the 14th Dalai Lama is considered by some followers to be an emanation reincarnation of Tulku. Uh, oh, sorry, an emanation, reincarnation, or total of Trinrizig, the Bodhisattva of Compassion. The 14th Dalai Lama mentioned in a public statement that his successor might appear via emanation while the current Dalai Lama was still alive. Kind of cool. Yeah. So that's just an example of how Topol's work in that culture. Mm-hmm. Thought I'd throw it in there that you were bringing up Buddhism. Yep. So, more on tulpas. Thoughts that can come alive. This is from June 5th, 2018. Tulpas are entities generated entirely by the mind. Some believe that tulpas think on their own, experience emotions, and have their own memories. Many of us grew up with an imaginary friend by our side. Maybe you still like to personify your favorite character or superhero. These companions typically don't usually last beyond childhood. However, there's an ancient idea gaining more and more traction in our modern world. It's the idea that given enough thought and focus, we can actually create sentient beings this way, known as tulpas. Stuff they don't want you to know, uh, TV host Ben Bowlin and Noel Brown chat with their imaginary friend, Matt Frederick, about all things well and imaginary. In this episode of the podcast, but there's um, listed here is Can a Thought Be Alive? That includes everything from hallucinations and schizophrenia to psychology and, of course, tulpas. Meditation is often an integral part of Eastern and ancient religions. This can be used to tap into the power of the human brain, power that goes beyond just how we use it brain daily. It can be attributed to powerful power, levitation, visions of the future, out-of-body experiences, and tulpas. Mm-hmm. They aren't the same as imaginary friends or, or hallucinations, though. Children tend to summon their imaginary friends and typically control them. For the most part, kids know that their imaginary friends are not real, while that doesn't lessen the emotional attachment to these companions. Though imaginary friends were once viewed as a detriment to child psychi- psychiatric health, scientists have made major turnarounds. Now the thought is children with imaginary friends are often more social, more creative, spend more time laughing and smiling, and generally well-adjusted. It could be that imaginary friends help the child learn empathy, sharing and nurturing their skills. Hallucinations, on the other hand, are uncontrollable by those who experience them. Often the hallucination can even extend, or sorry, exert control over that person, as in the case of someone with schizophrenia describing their... Um, sorry, describing being instructed by hallucinations to harm themselves or others. And unlike imaginary friends, those experiencing hallucination can't just make them stop and disappear. They often require medication 
often for a lifetime, to cope with the hallucinations and delusions. Where do tulpas fit in? Like imaginary friends, tulpas are entities generated, generated entirely by the mind. But unlike imaginary friends, some believe tulpas do think on their own. Experience emotions have their own memories. They can generate personalities, desires, and curiosities all their own, quite separate from their host. French explorer and Buddhist Alexander David Neal wrote that tulpas will eventually leave the body's the host's body work like a child leaves the womb and eventually will have to be destroyed. Mm-hmm. And we have other forms of, of tulpas. We have the puka, because we talked about it earlier a little bit. Several alternative spellings in the diverse Celtic and Germanic myth- mythologies, puka, I can't even begin to pronounce the Welsh version, which is P-W-C-A, puka, porn. Okay. I'll go with that. <laughs> it's just Puka. Um, Bucca, Cornish, Puck, Shakespeare, Puck, Frisian, Puck, German. But like the Tulpa, the Puka is an ambivalent cr- uh, mixture of good and bad. Unlike the Tulpa, they are likely to change its appearance, taking on animal forms such as cat, dog, horse, fox, wolf, raven, goat, hare, or rabbit. W.Y. Evans Wentz gives first-hand accounts in his book, Fairy Faith in Celtic Countries, for instance. I myself, when a boy of 10 or 11, saw a strange horse run around the seven acres of field of ours, change into a woman. Then after a couple of courses round the field, disappeared. No earthly precision could or would at that time have convinced me that I did not see this. Folklorist Wirt Sykes, in his book of British Goblins in 1993, gives numerous accounts of the prankish activities of the Welsh Puka, a fairy of the power to transform itself at will, which maintains the basis for Shakespeare's Puck character. The processing of commercial information is complete. Back to the show. The puka in Irish folklore. This is the the, the next part that I'm going to pull up here. Mm-hmm. Puka, black horse from Irish folklore. The meaning of puka, pronounced puka, is from the old Irish word puka, which means goblin. There are many variations of the spelling of puka. Many. Many variations, <laughs> which are totally acceptable. And it's possible the origin of the word puka may come from the Scandinavian word puk, or P-O-O-K, or P-U-K-E, meaning nature spirit. That works too. <laughs> I'm sticking with puka. Okay. Um, puka works for me. What is a puka? It's a shapeshifter. Take any form it chooses. Usually it's seen in the form of a dog, horse, rabbit, goat, goblin, or even an old man. Traditionally, a puka is seen in, as a dark, sleek horse with long, wild, flowing mane and luminescent golden eyes. Sorry, that to me is Anor? No, we don't want to see Anor. Sorry. Um, and imposing, sorry, an important thing is always to remember that about a puka is that they have the power of human speech and when inclined to make great sport of those they talk, or sorry, when inclined to make great sport of those that they talk to, they like to embellish the truth. In Ireland, the puka seems to be the most feared fae, possibly because it appears only at night enjoys creating havoc and mischief. We feel that's doing this uh, we feel this is doing the puka injustice because there are no recorded in, in, uh-huh, incidents of puka actually causing harm to any human. Right. Why am I tripping over my tongue now? I don't know. <laughs> it's the strawberry you just ate. It could be or our flash of anor. I mean, we would, we'll just yeah, stay back. Um, now what you're saying though is you're, you're talking about the puka as a fae. Mm-hmm. Um, are we assuming then that the fae can be considered topless? Possible. And it's, it's the same same um, thought patterns. Right. Because if, if you look at the whole thing 
<laughs> yes, I throw my ring around. They they get power over you. Mm-hmm. The more that you give into that that emotion, that they that the more they take, yeah. Right. So I'd say yes. Okay. I'd say yes. Okay. <laughs> by um, definition. I yeah, guess. by definition, okay. they're at least at least cousins. Right. How's that? Okay. Maybe even kissing cousins, but cousins. <laughs> Uh, where can you find Puka? They can be found in any rural location. Every country in Ireland, so like every county in Ireland has its very own Puka. Like they like open mountains so they can run free while in horse form. Many small mountainous lakes and springs in Ireland are called Puka pools, which means Puka or demon hole. Some of these are found at sources of major Irish rivers, such as the, the Liffey, 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 that runs through Dublin city or the River Bon which is the longest river in the north of Ireland that runs through the town of Coleraine. During, during the Christianiz- Christian- <laughs> Christianization of Ireland, the process of converting the pagan population to Christianity, some puka pools were named to St. Patrick's Wells. Puka sister- sub- hmm, su- superstitions and Irish customs. Maybe it's because I should ha- should not have had that watermelon bit. Let me, let, me, let me give you a break for a second here. <laughs> Uh, and because the thought just formed in my head, uh-huh. I thought. Um, <laughs> um, it sounds a lot to me that the puka, by what you're describing right now, has more of the uh, the set of, a, of an egregore than a tulpa, because it sounds like you're talking about a creature that is localized, well established in the well established the... and people believe in it, not mm-hmm. just one person, but many. So they have seen them. Yeah. And, so, and so by my definition, that sounds more like an egg Could be. Yeah. Probably better. Yeah. Because, have to be because, religious figure. Exactly. I mean, it's it's the area. The area's thought about them. The area knows about them. Therefore, it's there. But yeah. Maybe it's a thought form that's brought up when when somebody is thinking about mm-hmm. it too, an individual, in which case it would be a tool. But I don't know. To me, it just sounds more like an egregore. It's, Could be. It's a collective consciousness thing. See, let's argue semantics some more. No, well, but, but, but it, 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 it gives you more foundation to mm-hmm. see where it fits in. Right. Um, anyway, I'm sorry. Continue. No worries. Just <laughs> there are a lot of superstitions and customs about pukas that are still observed in Ireland. These superstitions vary depending on which region you happen to find yourself in. Although there seems to be common ground when you talk about puka, some of the stories are alike and just differ in the minor details. Sake the story of the drunken horse ride home. When a puka is in horse form, he tends to have fun by inviting a rider to jump on his back. This usually happens when the rider has had a little too much drink and is making his weary way home from the pub. Thus starts the wildest trip the rider will ever know. For the puka loves to terrify the rider with its great prowess of jumping over hedges, rocks, making death-defying leaps. Come the gray dawn, the rider's thrown off the horse, back left trembling, but none the worse for wear from the night's events to find his own way home. This may be where the reputation slips a little bit. On a wild night out like this, they do tend to run through crop fields and knock down fences without care. A conversation with the puka. They love to talk, as is with all Irish people. I can understand this. Uh, Raise your hand if you're Irish. Yeah, me. <laughs> um, they, they love to chat. They love to, to happily stop and shoot the breeze with you, sometimes giving great advice and making exceptional prophecies. In some rural places, you'll see houses that have a bench on the right side of the door and a gatepost to the right will be smooth in the areas 
or whereas the left will be rocky or some sort of uncomfortable mound. That's because a good puka will always sit on the right and the more mysterious sprite will favor the left. They tend to use the same opening gambit to introduce themselves. It'd be something like, hi, you're new here, I think. Many years ago, I used to live in this house. One of the favorite topics now is, is how the family lost its fortune with spent a lot of their money and lands. The odd thing is they will always, with the conversation it's the puka, you will always have to be sat and chatted with for an hour before he suddenly disappears. No saying goodbye, never goodbye. Just left wondering if that last hour was real. They'll never leave signs they were there. They share. Many associated with, with Soain, you know, Halloween, November, or October 31st and November 1st is considered Puka's Day. This coincides with the harvest of the traditional customs when the harvest is being brought in by the reaper. You must leave a few stalks behind. It's called the Puka share. You must be left to appease the Puka because we, for one, would not like to incur the wrath. Sorry, the wrath. It is said that when we see the rain falling on a sunny day, it does a lot in Ireland. The puka is definitely making an appearance that night. Also, berries that, berries that have been killed by frost overnight should never be eaten, as it's the puka spit on them, and they'll render them poisonous. Wait, what is she, fairy? Uh, berries. Berries. I think she's berries. I'm no, sorry. Berries. I got confused. So frozen berries bitten by frost. Don't eat them, because the puka has spit on them and made them poisonous. There's also... This one makes this one I remember. Modern pukas in popular culture. Harvey the rabbit oh, yes. is a puka. All his shapes and forms are made into many books and the films. And one of the most famous is Harvey the six foot tall white rabbit from the play by Mary Chase, immortalized in the film with Jimmy Stewart. I think Elwood P. Dowd, who's the main character in that, actually described him as a puka at one point. I believe so. I'm trying to remember. We did that play in high school. I've seen it a few times. I don't remember. I, like I said, never no, I do remember because when they asked him to describe him, he said he's a puka. That works. Yes. Okay. So there's also the infamous scene of Darby O'Gill and the little people when the puka scares Darby into falling down the well when he first meets King Brian of the Leprechauns. <laughs> More modern films have pukas appearing in animal form uh, as the, well, for example, the 2001 Donnie Darko. Puka is the rabbit that discourages Donnie from malicious acts which have positive and negative results to people around him. So that was from May 2020. <clears throat> Pardon me. We have gin. And I have to actually say, the gin or the gin, because depending on the spelling, D-J-I-N-N or J-I-N-N or genie in its anglicized form, derives from an ancient Arabic belief, the existence of non-human spirits, the Islamic belief, jinns are mortal beings with supernatural powers, which can be good, but are often regarded as evil or demonic. The belief is they can also possess humans. Journalists Michael Howell, Hallowell and Darren Ritson investigated an episode of poltergeist-type phenomena in the northern British town of South Shields, which, besides the typical anomalous movements of objects included uh, messages, mobile phones began to take malevolent uh, mo messages on mobile phones and began to take on malevolent forms. Despite the claims of witnessing large-scale phenomena, nothing was publicly offered in the form of objective recordings. All that was released was um, personal accounts, albeit including those of the authors, the authenticity of various phenomena. Nevertheless, SPR investigation Alan Murdy concluded the phenomena were genuinely paranormal after reviewing the case and its unpublished material. Perhaps what's more remarkable is over the course of seeking explanation, Hollowell sought in first North uh, first in North America at Indian ritual sites. They finally found it in the Jinn. 
He then became not only a firm convert convert to the Islamic belief, but active act, active advocate for its practices. Thought forms in Western culture, history, philosophy. The idea of thought forms is found independently in the writings of some Western academics and spiritual leaders. John Baptist von Helmont was an early 17th century Flemish chemist, physician, and physio physiologist, founder of the so-called chemical philosophy, the first person to systematically investigate gas, a term he coined. Von Helmont considered dreams and visions to be an important source of knowledge. He further believed that humans, being images of God, can likewise create images which, dressed in appropriate by the appropriate figure and power of the imagination, can become objectively real entities. So you basically just did describe the Tolpa there. Yes. Okay. And the Jinn, now that's another one who, in my opinion, could be considered an egregore mm -hmm. because they are believed to be real by a culture. Yes. Not just individual people. But you're also talking about people who have been won over to the thought of the Jinn. Yes. In which case, when they manifest for them, that's actually a Tolpa. Mm -hmm. if, you, if you get what I mean. Yeah. yeah. It's an individual it's, it's, thought form. Yes. It's a group in that case. And it, it depends on you know what is around it. Right. So it goes both ways. Yes. At least in that regard. So we have a... What are jinn? The air spirits who can eat, sleep, have sex, and die. And this is from Halloween 2018. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to... Mutilate this poor gentleman's name. Arab poet Kuthir Aza of the Umad period from 661 to 650, known for depicting his romantic obsession with married women, once described of how he became a poet. One day, a man on horseback came toward me until he was next to me. I looked at him. He was bizarre, made out of brass. He said to me, recite some poetry. When I recited poetry, he said to me, who are you? He said, I am your double from the jinn. That's how I started reciting poetry. Jinn, often al-jinn or jinn, are shape-shifting spirits made of fire and air with origins of pre-Islamic Arabia. They're an inspiration for Aladdin's genie and have held space in Arab culture for almost as long as Arab culture itself. And yet, having transcended both religion and physical world, so little is understood about these spirits. People in the West currently are more interested in learning about the jihad, the veil, the status of women in Islam, various fundamental movements, writes Amira Al-Zian in her book, Arabs and the Intelligent World of the Jinn. They assume the jinn is, is a topic better left to Disney and popular culture, or at best to anthropolog anthropologists. But jinn, who are part of Islam, are not to be worshipped at all. With free will and obscurity, they have too much to teach us about culture, people, and the multiple religions that have been forgotten. Neither inherently good or bad, jinn are amorphous entities, able to take the shape of humans and animals alike. Their role in society, too, has been malleable. They have served as a source of inspiration for both the esteemed classical Arab poets, poets in the first millennium and Disney in 1992. Jinni, or genie, which are the singular of jinn, both before and after Islam's introduction, which included mentions of the jinn in the Quran. Jinn have remained an inexplicable entity. The Orthodox scholars say you can't understand a jinn. Arab, Arabic literature researcher Mubai, Mubai tells broadly, still, despite their mysterious nature, there are some things historians of Islamic scholars 
and believers of jinn have come to to discern about the spirits according to him pagan arabs big believers in the occult worshipped the jinn long before islam and were introduced in the seventh century believing the spirits were the masters of certain crafts and elements of nature who had the power to turn plots of land fertile jinn were believed to interact with humans in our reality and lead their own lives in separate realm as spiritual energies as spiritual entities the jinn are considered dual dimensional with the ability to live and operate both manifest and invisible domains. The jinn are considered uh, to have the ability to live and operate in both manifest in both domains. I don't know why that was put twice, but that's okay. Uh, jinn's influence has been widespread both religiously and culturally in pre and post Islamic Ara uh, Arabia. They can talk or otherwise communicate with people, though some like poets and others are more likely to be hit up by jinn. A ancient Arabs, known for their affinity for their po poetry, even coined the term shi'ar, meaning Arabic literature poet and who is supernaturally inspired by a jinn to designate poets like Kuthwayer, uh -huh, Azah. Poets in pre-Islamic Arabia are often said to have a special genie that's their companion. Sometimes they attribute their verses to them. In the early 7th century, the Islamic prophet Muhammad of the S of, of the S A W S notations began spreading the word of the Quran. He shared multiple surahs, verses, mentioned jinn, including one named entirely after the spirits. Uh, belief in jinn has been part of the world's second largest religion ever since. Al Zian argues that one can't be Muslim if he or she does not have faith in jinn, the existence because they are mentioned in the Quran and the prophetic tradition. And while of course not all who identify as Muslims subscribe to every word of the Quran literally. If Alzian is right, that means around 1.6 billion people in the world believe in jinn. Jinn are considered part of the al-Ghihab, or the unseen, as invisible entities and abstract definitions. Beliefs in the manifest differently between communities and individuals. For, for instance, while some Islamic scholars agree that jinn are capable of possession, others do not. Still, both past and present stories of possessed, those possessed by jinn are not hard to find. Exorcisms can be found that involve reciting the Quran over a person, more rarely physically beating, beating the jinn out of them with the Quran, performed in some circles, are thought to be, that have been thought to be possessed by jinn. People who partake in the latter believe that the pain is not felt by the person who the jinn occupies, only the jinn itself. And while reading the Quran is a popular exorcism method, the jinn's links to possession of predate Islam. The Arabs of pre-Islam invented the whole set of exorcism procedures to protect themselves from the evil actions of the jinn on their, with marks on their bodies and minds, such as the use of beads, incense, bones, salt, charms, written in Arabic, Hebrew, and Syriac, or the hanging around of their necks of a dead animal's teeth, such as fox, cat, or more, to frighten the jinn and keep them away. Despite, okay. <laughs> despite the, the stories of, of possession, jinn are remarkable in their propensity towards neither good nor evil. In Christianity, demons and evil spirits appear as entities carrying out Satan's malevolent wishes. But neutral spirits like the jinn have no place. Elzane believes that jinn have been robbed of the scholarly devotion they deserve, in part because they complicate the narrative of monotheism, what it means to be the existence of the in in intelligent spiritual entities without necessarily demonizing them. Jinn are both angels and the devil. They oscillate between good and evil, making them more relatable. Jim are the manifestation of pre-man. Mm -hmm. 
They can screw up, be pious. They can help us, hurt us, be shown in folklores, folk tales from 1001 Nights, commonly known as Arabian Nights. One of the tales is the fisherman and the genie. The inspiration for Aladdin. The fisherman pulls a bottle out of the sea, opens it. Genie appears, angry to be entrapped in the bottle for centuries. Tells the fisherman's plan to, to kill him, but after two exchange stories, Genie changes his mind instead of bestowing the fisherman a life of good fortune. Fluid in all form and interpretation, Genie are not only possessed of, of to possess and converse with us, but they can also fall in love or in bed with humans. The pre-Islamic poet Taba'ana Sharan once wrote about sleeping with a Jinnaya, a fem female jinn, of how I met the ghoul. I lay upon her through the night, but things I might see had come to me. Behold, two eyes, a hideous head, the, hat of a, the head of a cat and split-tongued, legs deformed fetus and the back of a dog, clothes of, or hair with worn-out skins. But, according to Zayn, the ability to have to desire to have sex isn't all jinn are having common with us in human, like humans. They eat, drink, sleep, procreate and die as though their mortal lives can be extended for thousands of years and yet we can relate to the spirits on levels the consensus remains that we cannot fully comprehend jinn though we try mm -hmm. i've heard stories <clears throat> um about the jinn where it's told that the jinn were the first people mm -hmm. but they were born in spirits in a physical form and then mankind followed the jinn afterwards but we're favored. We're basically pushed aside because of that. Yeah. And that's where any animosity that the gen hold of humanity comes from. And there's a okay, what's his name? <laughs> American Gods. Neil Gaiman. How could you forget? <laughs> you know, it's one of those it's right there. And I'm see because I'm seeing yep. I'm seeing the scene that they did in the the series, but I'm remembering the book, where the taxi driver mm -hmm. meets the jinn, and it's not just about the jinn; it's about making the taxi driver feel. Actually, he's the taxi driver, making the, the the guy who's made to feel useless and worthless by his brother because he can't sell anything, mm -hmm. making him feel human, right. and having the night with him, switching places. Mm -hmm. You can become the taxi driver. You became, or he became, in a essence, right. the djinn. Exactly. It's like, that's your thought form being switched. This is, I need someone to protect me. Uh, here I am having struggling issues. I'm reaching out to the old thoughts, to the old gods, the old ways. And Okay, great. I give you my blessing. Mm -hmm. You spent time with me. I will spend time with you. And now you take the path that you want i will take the brother on good luck basically done was given this man yes yes gave him a new job gave him a vehicle yes Things gave like him that. his life gave him a new role in life yeah um but not all told are like that no <laughs> um i actually have a told the story too okay um, this is handed down from nick redfern he actually wrote a piece on this um, but I'm not doing the whole piece, just the bit about, about the tulpa itself. Um, this particular tulpa is, uh, for those who are familiar with Alan Moore's work, this is, uh, the tulpa of John Constantine. Okay. Um, Alan Moore, as some of you may know, is an acclaimed comic book writer and the man who is responsible for both Watchmen and Deeper Vendetta. 
both of which were made into hit movies. Then there's the one of Moore's most loved and popular creations of the 1980s, John Constantine. The creation of Who also had significant input from fellow writers Steve Bissett and John Toltenbaum. Uh, their character became a hit on the big screen in 2005 when the well-received movie Constantine was released at cinemas on a worldwide, worldwide scale. Excuse me. It wasn't long after all. I'm sorry. It wasn't long at all after the Constantine character came to fruition. And Alan Moore's mind, though, that Moore encountered Constantine. In what was, without much doubt, a topa form. It was an otherwise normal day in London and Moore was eating lunch in a cafe in Westminster when none other than John Constantine, the comic book creation of Moore himself, walked right past and massaged Moore. In Moore's own words, which are spelled out in Jim McGrath's article Conjuring Constantine of August 2012, he said he looked exactly like John Constantine. He looked at me, stared me straight in the eyes, smiled, nodded almost conspiratorially, and then just walked off around the corner to the other part of the sanctuary. Moore debated as to whether or not he should follow his creation come to life. Moore chose not to. It's almost certainly not a coincidence, given the nature of the strange affair, that Moore is not just a comic book writer, he's also a chaos magician. Like Constantine. Mm -hmm. It just so happens that chaos magic involves the conjuring and creating of fictional characters and giving them some semblance of reality. Subconsciously, one suspects this is exactly what Moore did. He created a temporary tulpa of John Constantine. And having done so, Moore was duly paid a visit of a truly extraordinary kind. Yep. So, yeah, he was working so hard on Constantine, giving him, giving him form, giving him thought that he actually managed to manifest Constantine. I think it was one of the coolest tulpa stories I ever heard, actually. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> but there's some weirder ones, too. Have you heard of the bronies, the Tolpermanson bronies? You've told me a little bit about it, but yeah, yeah tell, tell. Okay, for people who don't know, bronies are... Adrian, why don't you explain what bronies are? You did this better than I did. Bronies are the male fans of My Little Ponies. There are a lot of them, and not all of them are gay, a lot, a lot of them are straight. It's heterosexual males that totally love the storylines and everything with My Little Pony. That's what they're called is bronies. In most cases, it's adult males. Too. No, I'm talking adult. I, I'm yeah. heterosexual. Not all of them are sick. Some are gay. Not all are. But, I mean, but everybody's like, oh, they must be. No, they're not all. Okay. Well, what I'm talking about is a certain group of bronies who took over a Reddit page and uh, discussed uh, the concept of tulpamancy. And what these bronies have done basically is they've brought tulpas of the ponies to life, particularly the main six, as they call them. Okay. And uh, they, they write in these Reddit posts. I, I looked at a few of them. There's nothing I wanted to actually add to the piece because it was mostly you know, a lot of, a lot of uh, oh, my tulpa's doing this, my tulpa's doing that. Just, you know, wasn't wasn't anything I could really add to the piece, but they were actually claiming that they created these thought forms and brought them to life for good or ill. Some people are having a great time with their, with their ponies. Others say the ponies are abusive. They're, they're, you know, they're attacking them and things like that because they give them too much free will. But they're fryer tucking. Basically fryer tucking. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good term right there. Yeah. 
So anyway, yeah, I mean, and, and it's not just abuse we're talking about, attacks, beatings, rapes. Apparently, told us, I wasn't aware of that at the time, but I have actually heard stories also, I couldn't find any at this time, I'm kind of glad I didn't, where people were being told this strictly for the purpose of having sex with them. Lonely people. Yeah, and a lot of this does seem to stem from loneliness and mm -hmm. social anxiety and things like that. So it's kind of like jumping back into your imaginary world, you know, finding your imaginary friends again, except in this case, they're literally manifesting them. And some have gone so far as to actually have their tulpas go online and write, you know, little comments and things like that. Whether it's them writing them as their tulpas or if it's really their tulpas writing in their forms, I can't say. But, you know, I just thought I'd throw that out there. Yep. A lot of people believe in, the, in tulpamancy and practice it. But again, it's usually the, the younger crowd mm -hmm. who feel like social outcasts and whatnot and just want a friend. Yep. So they make one. It, it, each their own. Mm -hmm. Just remember, guys, be safe. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Just, just say and be safe. Yeah. When, you're, when you're covering a tulpa, you are giving it its own free will and form. It's not going to follow your will. Yep. After a while, it's going to want to do its own thing. So be careful. What you put out, you must reabsorb. That's if you right. give it too much, then you're giving, yeah. Mm -hmm. Control. Control. You have to exhibit control on what you put out. Do not exactly. put out more than you can. Do not bite off more than you can chew. How's that? Now, you were, you were talking about physically earlier. Yes. Do you, know, do you feel at this point that this is something that you've manifested yourself? possible i mean when when we were talking with heidi i was i was looking at it from all angles that i could but i you know it was one of those i if i felt the need to protect someone if i felt the need to check someone yes it was there for me and normally you can't do that with shadow people no. but it's one of those am i doing it consciously am i doing it unconsciously is it always there and i'm just suddenly tuning into it you know, is the shadow person always around? Or are you giving it form? Yeah. Right. So it's one of those, I, I don't know which way to, to, to put it because... Eh. Well, I think that's where you go into a bit of a gray area mm -hmm. between thought forms and spirits. Yes. Um, spirit, by its definition, is a manifestation of an entity that was either alive at one point or has always been a spirit form. And always existed that way. It wasn't created by someone's mind mm -hmm. or a thought form. Is the opposite of that it is actually an entity formed from yeah. the thoughts of another individual. Um, what about you, dear? You have anything for tulpas or anything like that? Ever encountered an egregore? Uh, you know that group mindset hit you? No, no? she's nodding her head. No. <laughs> Sorry, no. <laughs> she was enjoying her boba. It's cool. Theosophy. The founding of the Theosophical, Theosophical Society in 1875 was prompted by the claims of George Henry Felt, an American engineer, architect, and Egyptologist, that priests of ancient Egypt had the ability to evoke forms of elemental entities, making them visible. Also, he felt, also he felt, the name felt, not just that he felt, he had discovered a new, new 
<laughs> discovered how to emulate his power and furthermore could demonstrate it. In early meetings of the society, he entirely failed to do this, causing disillusion. However, the idea informed a current thinking and development of the society. Two of its early leaders, who we've talked about a couple times now, Annie Besant and Charles Webster Ledbetter. Mm -hmm. They devoted their, their book on the subject of thought forms in 1905, depicting the forms of various emotions, thoughts, and actions. Uh, they identified three types. Those may take the form of the thinker, those may take the form of a material uh, object, and those which may take the form of the expressed feelings, often as an aura around the person. Besant also introduced the concept of ensouled thought forms along with their benevolent destructive elementals or metaphysical forces. Digital folklore. Writers such as Brad Steger, Eric Knudsen, and John Keel have popularized the notion of frightening figures in, that feature in urban legends, such as Mothman, Slenderman, Thin Men, Men in Black, that are often seen as forms of tulpas. Catholic demonologist Ed and Lorraine Warren adopted this approach in their occult explanations for possession of poltergeist episodes. The modern tulpa is thus a product of internet folklore, bearing little or no resemblance to the Tibetan tulpa. It can be created by anyone, tends to become violent, and sometimes vents its hostility towards its creator. In one tragic instance, a 12 year old, two 12-year-olds attempted to stab a friend to death in order to appease Slenderman, an entirely fictional entity with whom they had felt they had become friends with and became infatuated by. The more creative element... Uh, associated in the internet is the concept of the avatar, a Hindu deity embodied by earthly form, which is the internet digital technology has come to denote as a geographical image representing a person. This is applied to an educational philosophy, also known as the teachable tangent. Sorry, teachable agent. In solving its computerized tasks, the student, usually a child, rather than being passively taught, actively teaches the imaginary but graphically represented agent or avatar how to solve the problem. Thought forms and psychology. Because the inherent extraordinary claims research related to the concept of thought forms is virtually non-existent in, main, in mainstream psychology. Casting the wet net wildly, an exception might be found in the study of imaginary playmates who appear to feature in the lives of the majority, about 65% of small children. Even here, relatively little is known about the nature of the function. Although in recent years, the consensus view has switched to being a positive sign of development rather than a deviant sign. Children know more that their, their imaginary friends are not real. However, little seems to be known about the children whom distinct, distinction is not clear. Poole and Tollock first give, for, gave first-hand accounts of two individuals described imaginary friends they believed to be real. In seeking explanations of the experiences, it should be noted that the complex yet unresolved relationships appears to exist between dissociative states, fantasy proneness, and hypnotic sensitivity. Imaginary playmates during childhood and psychotic experience, sorry, psychic experiences. Hypnosis offers some challenging anecdotal accounts. Harvard, education's, Harvard educated psychologist George Eastbrook claims to have used hypnosis in a hospital ward to produce a group of a group hallucination of an imaginary polar bear. The hallucination, according to Easterbrooks, went to, on to demonstrate how it's its own autonomy and willpower. Potential applications and understanding of psychic phenomena. A consensus view of the thought forms concept devoid of religious and esoteric notions may be usefully applied to the context of certain psi phenomena, although speculatively in the absence of either experimental research data or concrete evidence. Such a view would begin by dispelling associations of, of evil forces. Psychical research, literature, and poltergeist phenomena would take 
to take one example, shows how even in episodes where the considerable material damage occurs, the individuals caught up in it seldom suffer serious injury of their own. A much quoted exception is the experience of Joe Fisher, a British author whose involvement with apparent spirit guides communicating is a in a mediumistic circle ended his disillusion when they increasingly showed themselves to be dishonest and manipulative. Fisher's suicide at age 53, shortly after the publication of a book describing his journey, has sometimes been attributed to the effects of demonic possession, although it may equally have been caused by personal problems, including a failed career and marriage breakup. Psychological dangers may be considered real in psychic episodes, but generally only in the context of uh, credulous disbelief, sorry, credulous belief in demonic powers. Mediumship cases. Even the most Evidential cases of spirit communication obtained through mediums have weakness and detractors. The debate centers on how much the evidential material could be explained by prodigious unconscious memory. Cold reading, such as reading subtle cues and systematic guessing, or super psiability. Attention is rarely directed at the times of of rather empathetic declarations given by the communicators, that they're living beings and not dead. Could these be genuine expressions? of thought forms created in, uh, in the disassociated states, which believe themselves to be deceased communicators. A strongly suggestive example of the power of consciousness to create seemingly autonomous thought forms is found in mediumship research of the 1970s. A group of Toronto-held sightings aimed at simulating spirit communication by means of physical phenomena. The group became, began creating a fictional character, a 16th century aristocrat whose story they created in detail, then committed to memory and strongly visualized. Eventually, the group succeeded in, in eliciting rapping noises and during sittings, which appeared to have become intelligent in source. And its answers to questions, it essentially confirmed itself to be the character they had created, talking as if it had independent ex- existence. Naturally, this raises the possibility that the personalities that communicate in such a way of these seances or which to be taken to be disincarnates may at least be have sometimes the origin within the mind of the sitters. Well, that's something I thought about actually um, in regards to hauntings, um, where you've got a place that has a reputation for haunting or stories about the ghosts and everything like that, but then you do your research and you find out that these people who are allegedly haunting this place never existed mm-hmm. or never died in the home or anything like yep. that. So in that regard, what I think we have is the collective imagination generating the thought form. Yep. And haunting the house. Basically. Exactly. So there you go, folks. If you know your house has got a reputation for hauntings and you do the research and you find out there's nothing there, maybe it's not a ghost. Maybe it is a thought form manifest. Exactly. In which case, you just basically got to get that out of your head. Yep. Clear the energy. Clear the, Clear energy, the thoughts. And it might go away. Hopefully. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, <laughs> Excuse me. Poltergeist cases. Many researchers of poltergeist phenomena agree that their causes lie in psychokinetic forces erupting the context of family tensions, often, but not always, with the prepubescent adolescent as a focus. William Roll, a leading expert on saw such cases in terms of extended view of personality, such as a field of, attra- of interacting forces and demonstrated many classic cases in which poltergeist is seen as an independent energy, a noisy ghost, to actually confirm this pattern. 
an early documented case that took place in Rarick, now Arsenkane, Scotland, 1695, involved heavy stones being thrown, rapping noises, fires breaking out, animals becoming disturbed, furniture inexplicably moving. Despite potential dangers, no bodily harm or long-term damage was ever caused. Disturbances were witnessed by 14 individuals, of whom five were clergymen. In its interactions, the poltergeist appeared to confirm the, the clergyman's view of disturbances of the work of the devil. Modern commenters prefer to see these intelligences, which clearly reflect the prevailing folklore and religious beliefs, as aspects of living people acting in ways that are not yet to be understood. Aspirations and ghosts. Sorry, apparitions and ghosts. Certain types of, of apparitional experience can be perhaps be seen as an expression of autonomous thought forms. Hauntings are place-bound. Apparitions might reflect um, as a memory-based, repetitive compulsion thought form. Crisis apparitions, those are of a person who are dying or a life-threatening situation. Deathbed apparitions, deceased relatives visible to a dying person uh, or, or visible to a dying person may be regarded as thought forms displaying active intention of their attempt to communicate. There also exist numerous cases where a sense of presence is reported by travelers in, terms of, in conditions of extreme stress, sometimes interpreted as a ghost or disincarnate entity. The polar explorer Ernest Stockholm Shackleton writes, I know that during the long and racking march of 36 hours of the unnamed mountains and glaciers of South Georgia, it seemed to me that we were often in it's Georgia, in Europe, not Georgia, in America. That's why there's mountain and glaciers here. Um, it seemed to me to be often that we four, not three. I said nothing to my companions at that point, but afterwards, Worsley said to me, boss, I had a curious feeling on the march. There was another person with us. Experimental psych parapsychology. One possible experimental research application concerns the concept of so-called psi missing. This can be considered a misnomer. It means not that the psi is lacking but or missing, but rather that it's active and in a negative and significant way used to avoid getting the right answer, even by chance. In such cases, the previous significantly positive scores on tests appear to suddenly reverse the direction and become significantly negative. While this remains controversial, it's speculated this effect may be may sabotage any laboratory efforts aimed to to gaining control of the psychic or psi phenomena. However, that's not exactly true. The um, the negative aspect of that, where you're not getting the answers on a regular basis, statistically speaking, you should be getting them right at least some of the time. Mm -hmm. And in that case, you're actually manifesting that energy to create a negative effect. Yep. And that's been that's actually been documented. Yes. Um, Hansen adopts the term trickster used by Carl Jung to describe how the sign missing and other re rep replication problems bedevil all attempts to tame psychic phenomena. The term may be merely represent the personification of the self-doubt of the experimenter, which naturally tends to um, set in after initial success. On the other hand, it might also be speculated to the self-doubt takes on the life of its own and gains sinister qualities and archetypical archetypical enigmatic form of the trickster. Relationship to dissociated states and self-identity. The integration of thought forms into psychological theory raises a profound and complex question concerning the relationship between self-identity and self-consciousness. The self is usually considered to be malleable and dependent on social context. For psychologist, psychologist philosopher William James, a man has many social selves and their individuals who will recognize him. Moreover, the recent research well, with immersive virtual reality equipment, 
virtual selves have been created whose identity can be manipulated, which virtually appear to be located exterior of the person's own body. A leading proponent of this research, philosopher Thomas Metzer, concludes the self is merely a model or construct which is created in the brain and disappears when it's not needed. It's clearly demonstrated when we daydream. So take... We used to LARP, okay? Mm -hmm. We have ourselves. Right. My, my Tracy Lynn is not the Tracy Lynn you meet at work. The Tracy Lynn you meet at work is professional, straight-laced, there's no swearing, I'm right there, always a smile on my face. Right. That's not the same one at home. That's not the same one who go out and throw on my fedora hat and pull out my character sheet trying to become the big bad bruja or the scary gnarly werewolf. Mm -hmm. Now you have your game persona. Look at my kids. We have social pengu. She's not sociable. I love my teenage daughter. She's not sociable. She wears a sticker or a, a, a patch on her hat that says no eye contact, no hug, no talk. <laughs> my younger one. Definitely proponent for social distancing. Yes. yes. Um, my younger one, you know. Oh, the colorful language you hear on him on his 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 vlog, his his stream. Yeah, he's playing his games. Yes. Yeah. But the second you get him away from there, you've got civilized young man. Uh -huh. So we are you know, making ourselves into... We have many facets of, a diff of the same. Yes. So here we, we have our... Many people are rolled in the yeah. We have our different aspects. And then you've got the thought forms that are forming off of each aspect now. You've got your social media presences out there. You've got your, 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 your work presences. You've got... We're making so many layers. And these aren't just facades. These are how we behave. Yes, how we act, this is us. How we interact. But this is not us in certain... This is us in, in our comfort situation. Right. Not necessarily not us. Not necessarily is us. It's just right. us. Does that make any sense? I think I just... It does. And one thing I'll say about the hauntings, too, uh, as far as the idea of the thought forms, I really hope that's not the case. Yes. Because it would make life very dull. Yes. To discover that hauntings, manifestations, and things like that are just basically all in your head. I, I wouldn't and you want bring that. Them to life. I mean, as an experience, either way, it's interesting. Mm -hmm. to, to not to not to, th to think that this is something that you create rather than something from an outside force is kind of disappointing. Yep. So let's hope that's not the case. Let's hope not. That's not. But that's everything I have on thought forms, tulpas, and the whole nine yards. <laughs> well done. Well, that was fun. I hope uh, people have a new understanding for thought forms, tulpas, and other And that we didn't confuse you too much. Yeah. More. And that I didn't go on too much. But I fell down a rabbit hole. Personally, I think if we're doing we so, week. my rabbit hole was not as deep, like yeah. I said. Yeah, I had no rabbit hole. <laughs> you both did better than me this week. You stepped over the rabbit hole. I, I, I fell into a pocket of desperation and desolation. You were working your tail feathers off for tax season. You're allowed to have a night of... Ah. I work hard too, but you work harder. I work mental issues when I do it. It's... it's 
the physical work and mental work are equally exhausted on different levels. I understand this. So, what did you get out of the episode? Either one. So much. <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, it, it, it thought forums explains so much, you know, hive mentality. Yeah, that makes so Swarm much mentality. Swarm, yeah, swarm mentality about the, the writing and the yes. everything. It's, it's culture. It, well, I like, my, my thought on it was how one was very much like the other and was very much like the other as well. Yes. Mm-hmm. They're all a little clumsy. talked about the Pukas, for example, the gen, and how they're Pukas, yet from my perspective, they created a collective consciousness. So they're almost kind of egregores. But an egregore is nothing more than a large form. Created by egg yeah. yeah. So it's all, it's all the same. It all intertwines. A square is a rectangle by default because it's got four sides and and, and equal corners. Yeah. A tulpa is a is a puka is a egregore is a they're all thoughtful. Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. And, uh, the aspect of Yes. That made me sad. <laughs> well, I think I Just think like you, it made me sad. Yeah. I think houses like like we go through and we see houses that 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 have had terrible things happen and documented terrible things that happened in it. And we know where it came from. Mm-hmm. That's a genuine. Here is the the previous spirit here haunting. But then there's the houses where it feels like, and it's grown, and there's nothing. You know, proven to it, and yet it's there. Okay. There's something's happening. There's okay. a, there's there's physical manifestations. There's That's a thought it. form. Maybe somebody thought and felt it, and then it doesn't live there anymore. Yes. Left it behind. Or in these cases, too, people have heard stories like the mm-hmm. tuck thing. about about a white lady or something like that. Mm-hmm. For example, it haunts the house, and and, they, and it grows. And this, and this person even has a name. But when you check the historical records, of there's it, there's nothing there. That person never was never there. But that house now that has that so that yes. that thought form is in the house waiting. Because you believe, believe in me, in exactly. eh. yeah. It's grown through replication, it's grown through writings, things like that. It's like <laughs> you know, like I said with Alan Moore creating Constantine, it yep. was created through his writing, through his his. Uh, Mind generating the image in his head of what Constantine looked like, what he did, his mannerisms, things like that. I wonder if Gaiman's ever seen some of his own characters come to life in his daily walk of life. Probably has. Quite possible. He's vivid. He writes and you're there. I'm sure mm-hmm. a lot of Gene Coins was another one. He writes and you're like in the story. You're like in it. Stephen oh, King. I'm pretty oh. sure Odd Thomas is real. Yes. <laughs> Just the things because you give it life. And then it gives you life, and then it feeds back and forth, and that's where you get the, the risk of it. You know, when you've gone back and forth, it gets you know, fly away, fry or tuck it. My good example, <laughs> example of the thought from my big Harry Dresden for that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you read Dresden Files, I read Dresden Files. I know a lot of people actually do read Dresden Files. It wouldn't surprise me to find out that somewhere out there walking the streets, especially in Chicago, is Harry Dresden. Quite possible. And we're not talking somebody who dresses up as him. No, we're, we're talking, talking about, about Harry like Dresden. Dresden Harry himself, does. yes. Somebody who's driving a beat-up beetle. Hey, if it worked for Alan Moore, why not? Yeah, why not Jim Butcher? Yep, yep, yep. Hi, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. 
big fans, all of us. Oh, yes. So, anything else we need to cover tonight before we sign off? Not that I'm aware of. I think we did. We talked about the contest this morning. No, I'm good. talked about the contest this morning. It wasn't that long ago we started recording. All I can say, people. Sorry. Contest is on. Send us your stories. Yes. We're going to end it the 17th of April. June. June, sorry, June. I don't know why I said April. We want to give you plenty a of time. Prize for it too, so yeah, we got a prize. Got maybe it's of... because maybe it's the prize. Maybe people don't like the prize. Now, if you're of the mindset that you don't want to tell your story, if you don't think anybody will believe you, keep in mind we are not necessarily going to naysay it. Naysay it or even tell the story ourselves. The yep. telling is up to you. If you don't want anybody else to know about it, you don't have to. Well, we will decide who has the best story. Yes. Yep. We We're not, you know, we if won't we, print it. We, we will get permission to let other people. We aren't just going to release you, it. Yeah, exactly. If you want us to, to tell your story, we can do it. If you don't, that's fine. That's too. your personal preference. But please enter something. We would really appreciate it. hear from you guys. And yeah. Interact with you a little bit more. Um, and to that note, you know, if you are listening and enjoying this podcast again, please tell your friends. Yes, share us, share us, share us, right, share let's not, us. Let's not give you, but basically what I'm trying to say <laughs> is, is the more people who listen, the better our following. Mm-hmm. The more we can do as a podcast. The bigger we, the, the more people that enjoy it and listen, the, the more we can expand, the more things we can do, maybe. Not just contests and stuff, but you know. Yeah, I'll tell you right now, even through ad revenue, we're not making a lot of money. Yeah, we I just think, broke the twenty dollar mark. We've been broadcasting for almost a year. Almost twenty years. Yeah, and it's staying there because we're not we're not in it for the money. We're in it to do it and have fun, and that's pretty much it. We're down the road. We will maybe, ask for more support if we can. Maybe we'll do more advertising or something down the road. But right now we are. We're still noobs. We're still yep. noobs. We're enjoying the the podcast. Let I us else. know what you want. Yeah. Share us so that we can make it bigger and better for you. Not just bigger and better for us. Exactly. If you've got an idea for a podcast, we'd love to hear it. Oh, definitely. We've been doing this for a year. So how many, how many suggestions have we taken recently? Let's see. Craig's been quite a few, but there's been some others that we've taken and run with. Oh, yeah. yeah. I yep, mean, yep, yep. a lot of our story content isn't just us. It's people suggesting things. We are all for that also. Suggest things. Suggest away, and you know, if you don't want to contact us through that, there's always our Facebook page. Leave us a you know, or our personal messages. Hey, I got no ideas for next week. You got one? Let me know. Yeah, we got nothing for next week right now. So, um, I I have a couple of ideas in the wings, but if somebody comes up with something way better, we'll take it and run. We can't do this by ourselves. You guys, you guys help us out immensely. It's all about the listeners. If we didn't have you listening, we wouldn't be here. Yep. It would be us talking to the wall, basically. Yep. I know that's Yeah, I know. <laughs> Children, anybody? <laughs> Don't get me started. I'm just messing with you. Kneeling jello to a tree. Anywho. <clears throat> really? That's that's almost as good an analogy, yeah. Maybe that one. Anyway, anyway I think we've covered everything tonight. You know, if, again, if you want to contact us, you know, the three ways, I'm not going to. I'm not going to be that dead, dead horse. It's, it's already told me, please, no more. <laughs> so we won't do it anymore. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Thank you so much to Tracy this week. Yes, you're welcome. Basically the Tracy show this week. And it had to be. Actually, with a little introduction, you guys worked good together, and I'm really sorry. Like, I hope I'm more on the ball next week. Anyway, I think we've done enough for tonight, haven't you? 
Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think I think we're, I think we're all done. We've <laughs> informed everybody enough. Have a wonderful evening, my dears. Yes. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Cue the gremlin. What in the?